Hey, y'all. I'm Abby Mullen, and this is Consolation Prize, a podcast about the United States and the world through the eyes of its consuls. Over the course of the past two seasons, we've gone a lot of different places, to five continents, in fact. Now, as you may have figured out, there are no consuls in Antarctica. So that leaves us just one continent untouched by our show, Australia. Well, we couldn't leave Australia out. So today we have a mini episode for you about a consul, an unlikely project, and some fish. Before we talk about the fish thing, I do want to tell you that there are only two full episodes of Consolation Prize left. After that, we'll be shutting down the show. To celebrate the show, we're doing a little giveaway. Here's what you need to do. Call into our voicemail and tell us something that you've learned from Consolation Prize. About consoles, about podcasting, really anything you want to tell us about the show. You could win a tumbler and some free trade Nicaraguan coffee. You can access our voicemail at our website, consolationprize.rrchnm.org, or honestly, if you just Google Consolation Prize podcast, it should come right up. You only have until June 10th to do it. So go to our website right now and leave us a voicemail. Okay, so the fish. Our story starts, as it often does, with a letter from a consul to the Secretary of State. The consul was a man named Alexander George Webster. He was the U.S. consul in Hobart, which is a major port city on the island of Tasmania. He was a British subject, but he served as U.S. consul for three decades, starting in 1877. He was also a part of the Tasmanian Fisheries Commission. This commission was interested in bringing fish from elsewhere in the world to stock Tasmanian rivers and fish farms. They compared rivers without fish to pastures without sheep. Not stocking the rivers would be tantamount to neglect. Webster wanted salmon, specifically Pacific salmon from the west coast of the United States. So he did the natural thing for a consul to do. In January 1902, he wrote to the American Secretary of State to ask him for some salmon eggs. Webster noted in that letter that all attempts to introduce salmon into Australian waters had failed to this point. A government report documented attempts in 1852, 1860, 1862, 1866, and 1881. Many of the eggs in those attempts didn't even make it to Australia. Those that did hatch didn't last more than a few years in Australian waters. But those had been Atlantic salmon from Great Britain. So Webster and his colleagues thought they should try Pacific salmon instead. But a shipment of 800,000 sockeye salmon eggs from Vancouver had not been successful either. Despite these many failures, Webster thought they just hadn't found the right kind of salmon yet. So he asked the Secretary of State, John Hay, to send 1.5 to 2 million more eggs to try again. Except this time, Webster wanted them to come from California waters, specifically from the Baird Hatchery on the McLeod River. You might think that it was a bit of a reach for Webster to ask the U.S. State Department for fish. But what's even more astonishing is that the State Department granted his request. 
And actually, it kind of seems like the United States had just been standing by waiting for an opportunity like this. The Baird Hatchery was the first ever federal fish hatchery, and it had a section just for cultivating eggs for foreign shipment. Those were the eggs Webster wanted. And he got them. Though not quite as many as he wanted. Between 1901 and 1910, the United States sent Tasmania 500,000 Quinnat salmon eggs. With the salmon eggs on their way, let's talk for a minute about how you transport salmon eggs halfway across the world. The short answer is very carefully, and assuming you're going to lose a lot. Most of the attempts I told you about earlier failed because the eggs couldn't be kept cold enough, so they all died in transit. But by the 1880s, new techniques have been developed. You put your fish eggs in between layers of moss to keep them protected. Then you pack the moss-layered eggs into the ice house of a steamer, where you hope they'll freeze. Then you send them off on their journey. About two weeks from California to Sydney. If you're lucky, about 45% of the eggs might survive. You then put the eggs in the river, where they thaw out and hopefully hatch. And this is where we end our Tasmanian salmon experiment. These salmon were stocked into rivers in Tasmania, and from there, they disappeared. 30 years later, there were still no Pacific salmon in the rivers. But that wasn't the end of Tasmania's attempt to bring salmon to their waters. In the 1960s, Tasmanian fish farms finally made good. These days, Tasmanian salmon is considered some of the best farmed salmon in the world. And in fact, the industry is so successful that it's causing some environmental problems. So Webster's attempts did eventually pay off. And this story reminds us why it's good to be a consul. Not because it pays well, it doesn't. Not because you have diplomatic powers, you don't. But because you have a direct line to one of the highest ranking officials in the US federal government. And sometimes you can use that direct line to benefit the things you care about, like fish. Constellation Prize is a podcast of R2 Studios at George Mason University. This episode was produced by me, Abby Mullen, and Chris Stinson. Our music is, as always, by the amazing Andrew Cody. Don't forget to leave us a voicemail telling us your reflections on what Constellation Prize means to you, and we'll be back in touch later with more information about how we're going to close out the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>